Dave Fryer. Welcome to The Reluctant Agilist. Today, I'm here with Luis Garcia. Luis and I have known each other for a really long time. Um, he's going to tell you all about his background in a minute, but I wanted to give you a quick teaser on the topic. So today, we're going to be talking about uh, the job of being somebody who is either a project manager or working maybe as a scrum master, working in Agile or Waterfall, whatever it is, finding the corner of that space that you really feel like this is the thing. Like, this is what makes me feel good about what I do every day. This is where I can add value. And this is the thing that I'm going to do and focus on becoming an expert at, um, which is something I think takes people a while to get to. And sometimes you end up with surprising answers. So we're going to talk all about that and Lewis's journey towards that. And I'll share some of my own stuff as well. But Lewis, thank you for taking time out of your day. Thank you. Thank you. How would you introduce yourself to these people? I don't think we've ever done an interview before. So... What I would say is that the best way to think about myself is I have about 15 or 16 years of project management experience, and I am a PMP and I'm a CSM. So I've done a lot of waterfall. I've done a lot of scrum, and I've helped build a lot of custom software. All right. I'm going to fill in some more gaps too. He's done big company consulting. He's done startups. He's done digital agencies. You've been pretty much all over the table in terms of the types of work. I would I would agree with that. Yes. Um, now, of those, like, what is your what is your like favorite kind of company to work at? What makes me happy is when we help build software that impacts a lot of people. That is like the gist of what really gets me out of bed. Okay. All right. So Lewis and I met when you were just, I think you were just getting started with project manager, right? 2000. We met in 2005. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And we were both working at a very big consulting company. Actually, it wasn't a big consulting company when we started, but it got bought by a really big consulting company. Yes. And everybody in there went through PMP certification. I think I taught a bunch of classes, right? Everybody took the test. Everybody got certified. Um, and I wouldn't say it was really strict by the book, but it's a pretty formal approach to traditional waterfall project manager, right? Yes. Yes, that is correct. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what that was like, kind of going through that experience of starting at a big consulting company and moving on to smaller and more creative spaces to be at. Sure. So um, I was actually um, like a front-end developer for uh, five years. And then after a while, I just realized that I enjoy helping manage projects. So I wanted to learn how to be a PM. So I was a PM for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And then um, I met you, I met Dave and he helped train us to, uh, to be ready for a PMP. And then I took my test and I passed it. And then maybe I would say nine months later, you helped me get my CSM. All right. And so th- this was back at a place. I'll, I'll, I'll add some stuff from my own experience with this. This was a place that was trying to do agile and, um, I felt at the time like there were a bunch of us that were trying to get it off the ground, trying to make it work. And there seemed to be some interest, but it just, there was so much culturally in that company that was waterfall. There wasn't any way to really do it. Um, that was how I felt. And I, and I know when I left, yeah. it was to try to find a place where I could actually do agile or work in an agile environment, work with people that actually knew how to run projects that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like just to add to that too. Um, I feel like a lot of the culture was very waterfall, like you said, but a lot of the, a lot of the developers and everybody were just very, very waterfall. And I would say scrum 
maybe it wasn't new, but it was new to them. Right. So they were very, they weren't all in yet. So that's why. Yeah. And so you left and went to an environment that was a lot more like digital agency minded, right? Yes. So that was, um, it, it was considered kind of the same thing, but it had even more UX than I was used to. So that was great. So, and that was one thing that always kind of stuck out for me with you in terms of your focus on project management, you were so, so much a part of the strong UX culture at the company that we were at. And when you left, it was with some of those folks to go off and do that kind of stuff. And I remember I was kind of jealous because you were going to a much cooler environment yes. than the one that I yes. was in. Um, yeah. But that was more startup-y than, than what you've been accustomed to, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they just for lack of better words, I'm just going to put this in like a ballpark, maybe like 2 million a year, maybe 60 people, uh, okay. 50 people maybe. And then, and then over the eight years uh, that I was there, we grew to like 300 plus and we were much, much bigger. Okay. Now, what changed for you in terms of the approach that you took to the work of being somebody that manages projects? Like, did your role change? Did your outlook on it change? How did you evolve in that time period? Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, when I was hired, I was hired as their first senior PM. Um, I was doing lots of uh, lots of UX, lots of, of dev work. And then what ended up happening is that the CEO, who was a friend of mine also, he said, I need somebody to be my right hand. So he made me a director of operations. So I was doing, I was PM minded, but I was helping him do a lot of operations also. Okay. I want to try to add some of my own take on this stuff and see if this resonates for you. So when you, when we started to talk about project management originally, I was trying to teach everybody very traditional by the book, waterfall project management. And I noticed that for some of the folks at that company, the larger company, the UX thing really affected it. And I think that that also impacted how you engage with people, um, how you engage with the clients, how you engage with the product you're developing. It was a much more product, product centric way of looking at work than I think some of the people we reported up to were interested in having at the time. Um, yes, so, that's so that, exactly right. That affects it. And then you go into this environment with people that are, because of that, the nature of that, tend to be more creative-minded in the first place. You're trying to do some agile stuff. And then you get asked to move into a director of ops role, which for most people, watching like the trajectory of a career that's exactly the way you want to be headed, right? You want to be moving up the ladder, getting to the C-level or as close to it as you can. If you're a project manager, you can figure out a way to break through that ceiling. That's awesome. But that's you're in the sweet spot there, right? Yes, that's exactly right. In my mind, from, from like day one, like 2004, when I started, it was always about moving up, move up, 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 however it takes to get there, right? So I was going to be a good PM, just to kind of make waves and to make people see how good I am just so I can move up. Ah, okay. So you're one of those people that would start fires and then put them out. I, I was usually the guy they would put on, on like a project that was already in like flames. So, okay. I think I've been one of those people in the past as well. And I feel like the doubt, the good side of that is you get really challenging 
opportunities. The downside of it is when people are like, tell me about success stories. You're like, yeah, I had, uh, nothing would burn buildings and dead bodies. Like, <laughs> So that's exactly right. That's so it got kind of old after a while because you would join like a big old fire. And then once you fixed it and got it better, um, like budget was just in like the native and just all kinds of bad stuff. Yeah. But in the outsider's mind, they were like, oh, but that was a success. But in my mind, I was like, that wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, th- I think I always, you become sort of like an adrenaline junkie too. And then when you get projects that aren't a complete disaster, like what am I supposed to do with this? No, that's exactly what would happen is that I, I was like, this is a boring project. I don't, I don't want to be on it anymore. I w- I didn't like the long-term projects. I would yeah. say, you know, one or uh, one or two year long projects because it just got old. old I like yeah. to do like, I like to do like three months here, six months there, and then, you know, just move around to like things that are hard. I'm curious about your interaction with team members at this point too. Like, did that, did that evolve from what you originally, when we first met and it was very waterfall to you going to the smaller company and then evolving in that role. What about your interaction with team members and the way that you looked at them? Did that change? So it really comes back to leadership. I'm I'm from a team mindset already from like team sports and all kinds of stuff. And I was very, I was not their boss. I was not, you know, I was one of them. And I would always earn their trust as much as I could no matter what, because no matter what happens, as long as they think they can trust you, then they will follow you. Or if you have to tell them bad news or anything, it's it's easier. So because they know, I know their wives' names, I know their kids' names, et cetera. So yeah. that was my way. And when you have all that, it's easier to do new things with them. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And I want to point out some stuff for folks that might be newer to this job. Um, there's a couple of important things that we're talking about here. One is that we mentioned a, f- a few minutes ago how Lewis was kind of climbing climbing the ladder. And if you enter a field like project management where, you know, 70% of what you do statistically, if you look, you know, over years of the chaos report, 70% of what you do is going to lead to failure. You really kind of have to find a better way to measure whether or not you're any good at what you do. And a lot of people do it by, am I moving up the ladder? Am I moving up in the ranks? Um, which might be a great way to do it for some. But I think what Louis just mentioned about trust, for me, like that's a much more important metric. If you have people you work with who trust you, who years later will say like, oh my gosh, I would absolutely work with that guy again because they, you know, they were so great to be around and they knew me and they took care of us. Um, that's a much more sticky metric for success and your ability to do this job. What makes me happy is that I have people that I have in my phone even now that I haven't worked with in like 10 years and they will still tell folks, Hey, this is the best PM I ever worked with, et cetera, et cetera. And I will have people offer me jobs because of that reason, even though it was a long time ago, they know that I'm good. Right. So is it was just one of those things where they like totally trust me. They like to work with me. So it's more than just success in like the business mindset it's success with with your team yeah and i think if you're going to be in this job for more than a period of like 10 years you know you if you're going to be in the in the business of managing work and trying to help people find ways to build to build things um you've got to find 
ways to gauge and measure your own growth and your own worth, your own value that you bring um, beyond simply, you know, a lot of people talk about projects, how many projects were successful or the one for me that always trips me up is when people talk about how how expensive their projects were. Um, because like, I'm okay. So it's a million dollars or a hundred dollars. Like that doesn't say anything about your interaction with people on your teams. Um, which is the thing that I'm always more curious about. Yeah. It's, and it might be just me, but I want to be liked, but not just because I'm liked. I like to be liked because I'm, um, I'm a good person. Does that make sense? It's like, I don't want to, I don't want them to like me just because I want them to like me because they truly like me. Does that? Yeah, yeah, that's you're building a deeper relationship with the people on your team. Now, what about yes. when you're in a in a situation where you want that and you've got to deliver really bad news or ask them to work, you know, like all night and all weekend or whatever? Like, how does that affect? How does that impact it? No, that's actually why I I tend to do it that way because in my mind, if they know that I would never ask them to do something that is outside of outside of like the box. Like if we have to work late that night, I know that they have kids. I know that they have a wife. I know. So they know that I would never ask them to, unless it was really needed, not just because I want it. Okay. So how do you know that you're good at this job? Like if somebody asked you, why are you valuable in a role like this? How would you, how would you answer that question? So it's obviously all of um, all of the PM metrics, right? Like um, budget, on time, et cetera. But on top of that, it is the people. It is the team. It is, uh, is like my team happy? Are they, are they in, in a good rhythm and actually delivering a lot, of, a lot of product, right? So it's more than just the PM metrics. It's, yeah. it's, it's the people. And it sounds so vague and it's true. People are important and all that. But it really does come back to relationships. Um, I have people that I probably haven't talked to them in like 15 years, 20 years. And I bet you, well, I hope that they would have a good, <laughs> uh, a good idea of who I am as a person. So that's yeah. Okay, cool. So you're kind of on your way up this ladder and one of the things, you know, when people ask me, like if people are pursuing Agile and they ask me about getting a PMP certification, one of the things I always say is like the great thing about it is that it, it helps you understand the language that the people in senior management are speaking because that's they probably came up to that space through the waterfall. Um, and you came in with that and you move into this ops role. And so I'm assuming that you got really kind of deep into understanding that mindset and that language of, how do we make the company successful? How do we look at the portfolio? Like all of that stuff that is kind of beyond just the project level. Yes. In fact, I mean, I enjoyed it. I would say seven of the last eight years was all ops with uh, with some PM stuff in there too. But the thing is though, I learned a ton about how the sausage is made. And that, it for me, it just gave me it just gave me an all around appreciation for what I do. Right. Um, so I understand how target utilization helps the company and all kinds of just, just like the details that most people who just, who just work as a PM maybe don't get. So in my mind, it's not a failure that I'm not an ops guy anymore. I'm a more rounded PM. 
Yeah, so he just kind of gave away where we're going with it. That's okay, though. <laughs> um, I think one of the thing, reasons I think that that is so important is because you have empathy for the people that are asking you to do that stuff. Like if you understand why they're asking about utilization, if you understand why they want to know about this metric or that metric, um, understanding the motivator and the drive for that can often help you figure out a way to maybe solve the problem that they have without maybe giving them exactly what they want. If you have to do that, or at the very least, you've got insight into the reason they're chasing this thing down. And, and it's not just like, Oh, those people upstairs keep demanding ridiculous crap. So that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I mean, I hate to say it like this, but, and I might, have a better way to do it that I could help them yeah. with or vice versa. You know, I'm not saying I want their job, but there might be an easier way to get that information or something. Yeah. So I have a thing that I do in my class now about um, a project I worked on where this guy kept demanding certain types of reporting. And I was able to figure out how to give him the answer to the question he had without giving him the answer in the format he was looking for. Um, yep. Because I could understand, like, once I got to the place where I understood, like, who's asking him for information? Why does he need it? I can get him an answer without giving him what he's demanding. Um, yep. And and so, and a lot of times, I think now, especially where you've got an environment where there's waterfall and agile, maybe in the same organization, or maybe they're in, you know, transforming and things like that, um, you can see maybe a healthier way or a better way, better alternative yeah. than what they have. Yeah. So what that means is that I ask why a lot more because I want to understand truly because they might want to go from A to B, but I'm like, why don't we go to A to A plus because you'll get, um, you'll get better information and then, and then go to B, you know? So it's just little things like that. But those, those little filler notes, they're the ones that make everything like, I mean, they, they make you make things, your work stand out more, I think. Well, let's just say it makes me, I think, a little more valuable to them. Cool. Like a more trusted advisor. All right. So as Lewis mentioned a few minutes ago, he's not in ops anymore. So how did that shake out? And what are you doing now? So you can thank coronavirus. Um, <laughs> so March of March of 2020, right when everything hit, I was in a startup. And in short, things just, uh, things just dried up and I was laid off. And really... I spent about a year and a half just just kind of looking what's out there, looking what's in the market, and also just truly thinking, just really thinking, spending time with my family, just really thinking about what I wanted to do, what really made me happy, just really growing as a person. Okay. So in the end, I joined um, I joined the exact same type of company where I'm doing like uh, lots of consulting, um, building custom software. And I joined them as a senior engagement manager, and they do a lot more formal scrum, and that is what I love doing. So what I ended up doing was I didn't want to go up anymore. I just wanted to to go back into a senior engagement manager role. Does that make sense? Is that yeah. enough? Yeah, that's good. So, and what... So I I know you and another person I know have made this choice recently to to decide to go back to working with teams, back to building stuff because there are people who have said like this is this is where my passion lies, and um, 
I'm just wondering, like you from 15 years ago, if that person was looking at this choice now, how would they interpret it? As a young, a younger guy looking at myself now, I would yeah. say, well, like, well, like, why is this guy quitting? Like, why is he, <laughs> um, why is he stopping? Because back then I was like COO or, or, bust. or like bust. Yeah. yeah. Like COO or bust. I was just very much go up, up, up. But now that I'm a little older and wiser, I, that doesn't make me happy. That isn't going to make me happy. So, and I'm really all, all about happiness now. Okay. So that is a really big deal too. And I think there's a lot of people out there. I meet a lot of people who still feel are they're in that world where I have to do this. They are making me do this. They don't have joy that they get from their job. Um, so what about this new gig? What is it that sparks joy in you? So I get to build custom software again for a lot of top brands, which will impact a lot of people, which makes me happy. But it's also just uh, working with the types of people that I enjoy working with, not just executives that have forgotten what it takes to be actually doing the work that builds uh, the company. Okay. So uh, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, to me, it's, it's a really awesome choice. And and one of the reasons that I wanted to do the interview with Lewis is because I mean, one, I've known you for a while and I thought it'd be fun, but two, um, it's a choice that I think, you know, like you said, the younger, you would look at it a little bit sideways. I think there's a lot of people that are afraid to make this kind of a choice. And, um, I think when you do make this choice, what you get is you get a job, you get a role, you get a gig that you're excited about every day, which I think, especially now, you know, with the pandemic still lingering on, um, we have an option to kind of reset, you know, find something that really is fulfilling for you. But what you're able to bring to other people is a much better version of you because you're, you've made this choice. Like I'm going to get back down in here into the trenches. I'm going to build stuff with you because this is my jam. This is what I want to do. Right. Not just what you have to do. No, that's exactly right. I am very sure that the Lewis that is a PM now will be a happier and a very much better PM because I am making this choice. And you have all that experience of working with ops. You understand all that, all the things that they're looking yes. for, and that's going to help you be better able to serve your team as well. Yes, that is exactly right. Um, I know exactly what they're uh, looking at when they look at me as far as health of what I'm doing. But then also, um, I've just gotten better after these years, right? So that's, yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So you're, so you're better at it, but I'm also curious about what... Um, I mean, if you think of this from the perspective of somebody having a growth mindset, you, what is it that you're challenging yourself with or what aspects of the job are you kind of locking in on and being like, well, that that's one part of it where I know I've got an area of growth. I can get better at that aspect of it. So the first one that hits home is that I want to be better at tools that maybe I haven't used. For example... I'm about to start using um, Azure DevOps okay. and I've never used it. So learning something new makes me happy for some reason. I feel like I'm a learner at heart yeah. and it started back when I learned how to be a PM. So 
Okay. So I'm going to say this to you and I want to hear how you respond to it. So I was, I was doing an interview with somebody recently who said that he felt um, that the job of being a scrum master was a chore. It wasn't, it wasn't a gig. It wasn't a career. Um, so I would, I would also be willing to insert project manager in there, but how would you respond to that? That it's not a career. I would actually laugh at this person because it's, if you make it a choice, it can be a great, a great thing to do. If it's a rung in your ladder, like I was doing, then it is a chore. It's, it's kind of like, I'm doing this just so I can move up, which is, which is okay. I mean, I was okay. And I was pretty good back then, I guess, but it was just enough so I can move up. Yeah. So, and now you can kind of master it, I guess you can return to it with a different, different mindset. So for, I guess, lack of better words, I want to be the best now. Back then it wasn't about being the best. Okay. Just getting to that next step. Yes. Yes. Now, do you think that you had to go, like, would you have been able to get to this mindset without that other path of going into ops? Or did that directly contribute to this? I think that directly contributed, but like, if I would have had a job the last year and a half, I probably wouldn't even thought about it. I probably would just kept on trying to go up. Okay. But the thing is, though, I had the time to actually sit back and think. So I actually changed a lot of things. So now I just um, I just go to bed around 930 and I get up at five and I spend the first like couple hours of every morning just thinking and and like doing a lot of stuff for myself. Yeah. And because I have the time now to think, I was able to think about this exact thing. I want to take a step back to what I really am happy with. Okay. So that's a really interesting aspect of it too, is that the maintenance of you, if you were a machine, you've learned that you have to take better care of the machine so the machine can take better care of others. Yes, that's exactly right. I want to be good myself uh, with my mindset, with my health and everything. Yeah. And, and that will also help others. Right. So. That's great. I mean, that's another thing that I think a lot of people I don't think people think about that when you're young. I know I, I didn't like taking that time to reflect or take time to take care of myself was not something that was part of the equation. It was just, I will work harder all the time. Um, yes. My uh, mindset was always push, 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 go, 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 because you got to go up. That's what my mindset was back then. But now that I have a wife and a kid, it's like, it's just, uh, things are different now, but it is a choice. Well, I think people, when, when I know for me being younger, confusing, being busy all the time with being uh, valuable, right? I, I would yes. mix those two things together. And I think in the same way that we want to encourage teams to deliver more of the right thing than just deliver more things. Uh, I think it's a, it's a kind of a parallel to that. Yeah. So one thing that I've learned too is working hours and hours does not mean that you're going to output more. I feel like I output more now if I take my time and slow down and not so go, go, go. Yeah. This is cool. I mean, one of the things that's interesting to me is I am, I am finding more and more people with that kind of mindset in, in the space that we're in. The, the people that are either managing work or working with people who do the work to try to make it easier for them to get stuff done. Um, 
there's more awareness of that. And I'm really curious to see how that affects this profession over like the next 10 years, especially coming out of the pandemic. Um, yes. It's going to be very different. This is cool. So if you're listening to this, some things that I'm, I'm hoping you're picking up on, finding finding aspects of this job that bring you joy, that you're psyched about getting up in the morning is important. Finding ways to create space for yourself to do the reflection you need to figure out how to find that thing that brings you joy and how to you know, be able to show up better for your teams, but also finding challenges and things that are going to help you learn. So you're not just running around the same hamster wheel over and over again. I mean, those are the things that are going to help you survive. And if you can build trust with people along the way, you'll have people to work with that are always fun to be around. Yeah. Because I have people that call me all the time to like, want to do side job works with them because they know that I'm good at what I do. So just that kind of stuff makes me happy. And that is also a really big deal too, because that means that if you're doing that kind of stuff, um, this is, it's more than just a job. This is like a hobby as well as a job. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that, and I think for me, at least that keeps it fresh all the time. Well, this was great, Lewis. Thanks a lot for doing this. Um, if people want to get in touch with you with follow-up questions, what's the best way to reach you? I guess pro- uh, probably Twitter. Okay. Um, my Twitter handle, which is at L-U-I-S-G-A-R-C-I-A. All right. This was great, man. Thanks a lot. Well, and, and you'll have to come back and let us know how it goes once you get settled into the new gig. Sure, sure. Thank you. I will do. I will write down stuff and maybe we can talk later. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. Thanks, man. You're welcome.